0: Welcome to Adam Speaks, Uh, this will be my first episode, and for this first episode, uh, it is 2.16 in the morning, I'm laying in bed next to my girlfriend, who is going to bed right now, and figured I'd talk about something before I myself went to sleep. Um, Recently I've been kind of dreading sleep and almost avoiding it, because uh, I've had particularly Stressfulness and disturbing nightmares based on certain circumstances I've been going through recently. But I won't be talking about sleeplessness tonight, you know, insomnia, stress induced insomnia, or anything like that tonight. Uh, I think tonight I'll just start off with a simple story. Uh, my fourth grade teacher was a real hard ass. I'm not going to say his name, because I don't want to have to ask him for permission to use it. So, we're going to call him T.R. So, Mr. T.R. was my fourth grade teacher. And up until now, I had been bullied since kindergarten. Severely bullied since kindergarten. uh, To the point to where I no longer tried in school. Uh, I got passed along because, you know, That's pretty much what happened, but I didn't even have to try. I never did my homework. I barely did the classwork because I was so upset about everyone constantly picking on me for being a cheater when I'd get answers correct, or a know-it-all when I would answer the question the teacher gave. I was teased furiously for first grade and second grade, and about third grade is where I really gave up. I was already just goofing off, you know, playing around the classroom when I shouldn't have been. Using, you know, counting materials and class stuff as toys that really shouldn't have been played with. Distracting others. I was a horrible, horrible third grade student. I was still a genius. You know, I read at a higher level. I answered harder questions sometimes. Uh, I didn't really stop until after third grade is when I really stopped answering questions and when I really stopped asking questions in class, which is what really made, made it to where my downfall began. I struggled through high school middle school uh, with more bullying. But uh, we're not talking about that right now. We're going back to fourth grade. In fourth grade, I had a teacher. And at first, he was extremely patient. You know, He seemed like the type of teacher that would fight for you and never wanted to give up on you. And that was great for me. I still didn't really try too hard, but I tried a little bit. And then his patience turned to impatience and upsetness. And it almost came to the point where I felt that my teacher hated me. Mind you, he was my fourth and fifth grade teacher. So I knew him for two years. In fourth grade, we were still allowed to bring snacks with us to class. Uh, Every once in a while, we had snack time. You know, to give us a break and help us think they were starting that whole initiative. You know, brain breaks and stuff. And uh, we'd have a snack. Well, because my grades are somewhat low, I wasn't allowed to have a snack with the rest of the class. He said, a snack is a privilege, not a right. And you need to learn the difference. So he sent me out into the hallway. And I was an emotional kid, and here I am with this teacher who I thought believed in me. Telling me I wasn't doing good enough to even have the string cheese I brought with me and the apple my dad packed for me set me off with love and made me feel so happy before I left I felt responsible and I felt like I could do anything and I'm just in the hallway crying, well one of the office workers who I knew uh, we'll call her huh, we can't use tea, we'll call her Miss V Miss V came in the hallway and up beside me and said, Adam, what's wrong, why are you crying? I said, "Well, <laughs> well, it's snack time and TR's class, and I was really excited today because I brought string cheese and an apple with me, and my dad helped me pick them out because he let me pick the apples when we were shopping and I really wanted one. She asked me, "Well, is your is your snack in the sun? I said no, it's in my lunchbox. I only had a lunchbox for snack. I had school lunch. I wasn't rich everybody, don't worry. Um, this is a rare occurrence for me. So she walks in and about 10 minutes later she tells me to come into the classroom to grab my thing and she'll take me to the office. She does, you know, she's very sweet. Miss V was always so nice to me. Uh, I'm in the office eating and in walks Mr. T.R. As Miss V had left the room, he knelt in front of me, he said, you're such a spoiled little brat. Such a baby crying in the hallway to get your way. You were so sad because your snacks, your precious snacks were in the sun. Well, I hope you enjoy it and then he walked away. And after that day, he was a real hard ass to me. Um, but... What what I gained from this and didn't realize till years later was that that woman, Miss V, lied on my behalf, which she thought would help me, but in fact made things worse for me, because I, I knew in my head I didn't say they were in the sun. I was too afraid to tell him that because Mr. TR was 6'5, and in fourth grade, I was only about three feet tall. I was a little short for my age. I didn't start getting height again until about middle school. But, um, this made me really upset. I didn't know what I did wrong. I said I didn't say that. I, I didn't lie to her. And I didn't know what to believe. You know? started a long line of me not being able to trust people with my problems because someone was gonna handle it wrong and not being able to trust people with information and telling people things because I always felt like someone used it against me um, because of that I think is why they put paranoia on my health sheets for mental check-ins because I didn't trust anyone I didn't trust my mom, my dad, my teachers. I didn't trust anyone enough to ask a question to say I was struggling or to say I needed to use the bathroom or get a drink. I only used the bathroom at recess because I was afraid to to ask to go. Uh, I got very good at holding my urine because of this. So much so that a two hour road trip doesn't bother me at all. Even if I have to pee halfway through, I can manage to hold it for the last hour or Hour and a half, or half hour, however long it is. I, uh. I think it's a little interesting, though, how our behavior can change off of one instance. You know? We really shouldn't. But I stopped trusting people after that. So much so that. I was afraid to fall in love, I was afraid to ask questions and take risks and so much so that I'm still afraid to ride my longboard some days even though I've had it for two weeks I don't even trust myself I've had it for a month but I don't even trust myself enough to know that I can take it so lately on my board specifically to help me trust myself I have been taking bigger risks the first day on it I couldn't drive down my cul-de-sac, and go around the blank corner without hopping off, and catching the board and walking uphill, and I couldn't even go down the top of the hill and back without being afraid. So, every day I would try to go a little further, a little, little higher up the hill and go down, or a little further up the path and go, and uh, eventually I made it, made it to where I can ride down my cul-de-sac and down the hill three other blocks going so fast that my hair kicks up and the wind just pushes past my face and I realized I felt free taking that risk and just trying to push myself further to trust myself and trust my board. I mean, it's where I could feel this amazing sensation I haven't felt in a while of just trusting myself and letting everything go to feel free, rolling down a hill having wind blow on my face and letting my arms out to my sides. I feel like I'm flying when I go down the hills now. I try to find a taller hill and go even faster now. Uh, I made it to this point where I can go from the school by my house all the way around the skate park. And I know this is breaking quarantine, but don't worry, I have a mask and hand sanitizer. But I can go all the way up to the top of the street by the school pick up so much speed that I feel my feet tingle because of all the cracks in the asphalt. Curve around speed bumps and make a little turnaround in a parking lot before going further downhill. Hooking a corner and getting to weave to the sidewalk of the park and the neighborhood near me in order to get to the hill. And boy, when I hit that hill... Oh, there's times where I even let myself close my eyes and stick my arms out. Just for a couple seconds, I'm not insane but just for those couple seconds I can really just know that I'm okay and I think that's what people need when they have so much untrust, so much distrust that they can't trust themselves, they need to do something that every time they do it, it pushes them a little bit further and they need to re- keep repeating doing it almost daily I was on my board three days in a row, then I'd take a break and it got so much fun that I would i fall and i just get right back on the board people need that. People need something that pushes them to trust a little bit more in themselves each day. Whether that's chopping faster while cooking, whether that's walking in the hallway with the light off instead of running to your bed, whether that's... there's a lot of things you can do. And I could sit here all day and list off a hundred million things you could do, but up instead, you find one? You find something you can do that pushes yourself to trust yourself a little bit more each day. And, I gotta tell you, I thought I was pretty self-aware, pretty, um, oh, zen, I'd say. Not self-conscious, mindful. I thought I was mindful before, but when I started trusting myself, I felt that my mindfulness, my self-awareness, and my... Understanding of self became so much more clear when I could actually trust myself to analyze myself To know that I was stressed or know that I was relapsing or know that I needed a hug Because before I would get all those and I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything or I wouldn't acknowledge them Or I wouldn't even trust that they were real because of how many times I've been put down and called a fake I can really understand myself now and trust that I'm feeling what I'm feeling and trust myself to ask for help when I need it. Whether that's asking for someone to hold your hand, or give you a hug, or a kiss, or whether that's someone just rubbing your hair so you can feel a little bit better. It helps with vulnerability. And... I thought I was doing fine in my relationship before I was this vulnerable, but being more vulnerable it makes the experience more intimate. It makes you really appreciate that love and really understand how much you want it before you're unsure of how long you want to last and then suddenly you're very clear that you want to spend a lot of time or all your time with that person you really appreciate the fact that you can trust yourself to be open again even if you've been hurt so many times that it's absolutely terrifying just that little push to trust yourself can lead to opening so many doors that your life stops being this it stops being what you think it was originally and changes it's like a flower opening because at first you're seeing the bud but now now you're counting petals you're admiring the shift in color you're wondering how many bees are gonna come try to pollinate it how many petals you'll lose before the fall you look at everything in such a new way, because before, all you saw was a stem and a bud. Now you see leaves. Now you see thistle. Now you see petals and color and vibrancy and health decay. You look to the future wondering if there will be change, if it'll go further, or if it'll die. And you really, really don't understand what you have until you can open that flower and really appreciate everything that it is. There are some who never get past seeing that thing is just a bud, and sadly those people are gone too soon. Some that I've known, some that I've tried to help in the past, have been these who can't see the past the bud and have left us too soon you have to take a step back and see it for all that it is. No matter how hard that sounds, no matter how how scary that sounds, you really have to look at it from a different angle. A shepherd only sees sheared sheep, and gates and grass, but those who get the wool, They see pillows, blankets, coats, hats, socks, shirts, pants, murals, so many different things. Maybe you really shouldn't be looking at wool as a shepherd, but as someone who uses that wool to make something greater. Everyone has that potential in them. Everyone has that ability to take something that someone sees as so insignificant that it doesn't matter and turning it into something extravagant. There are men and women who see empty lots, or who... There are men and women who see empty lots, and then there are those men and women who say, I wonder how many trees we could put here. I wonder how many flower beds, how many people walk by each day after it's clean. Some only see clay, others see sculptures. Some see canvas, while others see amazing images. Some see paper and pencil, others see worlds to create. Some see letters, others see so much more. The world began with a single stone that everything was built on top of. first chopped tree, the first set brick, the first steel rebar, like, language. The first greeting, the first parting. I wonder what the first I love you sounded like. Because I know what mine sounded like. Sometimes people look for these grandiose statements. Some people try to imagine the perfect love, meeting that perfect person and having that perfect word said to them to make them fall in love. Well, sometimes the first I love you is just hello, and you don't see it at first. But when you do, you really, really appreciate things. But it doesn't have to be just love partner. It could be love for a parent or a sibling, a friend, a purely platonic love that makes it to where your day is better just for having it, the ones that your friends will make fun of, but that you'll know is just that. Or it could be self-love. is the first thing that you said to yourself when you loved yourself? I try to start my day every morning looking in the mirror and going, I love my eyes, or I look really good today. I think the first time I loved myself I said, I'm amazing, and the second time I loved myself was looking in the mirror at 18, 19, and saying I'm sorry for how many times you put yourself down, how many times you told yourself you weren't worth it, I had to apologize to how many times I've hurt myself in my own head. But now I look at myself and I say, hey, my eyes look great today. My hair looks really cool, fluffed up like that. I look really good with my mustache in my mouth. The stubble I'm growing looks really good today. I think I'll let it grow you have to slowly start introducing more good things to yourself in small batches, I guess. And you realize that, oh my god, I'm not that flawed, I'm not any more flawed, at least visually. I'm not that flawed, is what I've reached, or maybe you too can understand that everyone has those visual flaws, but the more you take away from yourself, the less you idolize other people you think look better, and you realize, hey! They've got their marks due with their blemishes, their differences. Take, well, let's say a good celebrity, for example, Chris Evans. Chris Evans' cheekbones, his jawbones, are not perfect, perfectly parallel. They're not perfectly mirrored or identical. One slightly off from the other. Or you could say how... Oh, Hugh Laurie. His hair isn't evenly gray. At least not in doctor house. It's patchy and some are white, some are gray, some are darker. You can look at your parents. Someone might have idolized your entire life or might have resented your entire life, but understand that they have their flaws too. That their love doesn't look the same all the time. Or that... They're not upset with me, they're just upset and don't know how to handle it. Our parents are sometimes the most flawed out of all of us. But if we notice them, we can forgive them for those, can't we? at least try to. Everyone has a flaw of some kind. Everyone has something they don't like about themselves. They're supermodels. Who wish their cheeks were thinner, or their nails were longer, or their fingers weren't a stubby. There are slobs out there. There are people who most would find disgusting or unsightly who adore themselves for small reasons. There are people out there who have never looked in a an mirror and said, I hate you, and there are some who have done it every day of their life. But every one of us has a flaw. And some are just okay with it. Some don't say anything wrong with it in themselves. The things people need to realize is, you don't judge anyone else off of their flaws. You don't walk into a 7-11 and immediately notice that someone has a double chin. You don't immediately walk into a, a grocery store or a mall and say, wow, her ankles are fat or wow, her stomach's so big. You just see a person who's minding their business going, oh hey, I acknowledge their existence but otherwise they don't matter. You walk past them. You go about your day and you never think about that person again. You leave the mall. You go home and you read. A, you watch a story on the news about how a woman's baby was stolen. And this is weeks later and you're like, wow, that way lady looks kind of familiar. I hope she finds your kid. No, these people don't matter to you. And, you don't matter to those people either. No one's walking you, ran- walking past you randomly and thinking, wow, she looks fat today. Wow, she looks ugly. Wow, her forehead's too big. Wow, her nose is crooked. No one thinks like this. No one looks at a man and says, wow, he's bald and disgusting right off the bat. I mean, I'm sure there are shady ass people like that, but no person's going to spend that much thought on you. And the amount of thought we put into our own flaws destroys us so much because we think everyone else is thinking this one. In all actual honesty, no one really cares. No one is really looking at you like that. They're so busy looking at themselves that they don't notice your flaws. Just like you're too busy looking at yourself to notice their flaws. Everyone has those days where everything seems wrong with them. And everyone has those days where they seem... Flawless. Well... In... All actuality... You always look the same. Your face is always the same shape, isn't it? It's... Not like there's a single standard. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I guarantee there's someone who looks at you and sees beauty. Sees perfect. Sees everything that they want. And you're too afraid for people to see your insecurities, the things you're insecure about, that you cover up a lot of yourself. And maybe that's why that person can't find you. Because they can't really see you what you're doing to yourself whether it's a hoodie whether it's makeup whether it's a mask people can't really see you and maybe that's why they don't approach you maybe that's why they don't find you perfect is because they can't really see that they see what you show them try showing them the real you somewhere and maybe well just maybe that can go away and someone will open up to you, and you can open up to someone. I think lastly we're going to touch on um, forgiveness for yourself. Because that's really where this starts, the self-appreciation. We look at ourselves and we see monsters. We see everything wrong we've ever done. We see everything we've ever done to bother someone else or to hurt someone. When in all honesty, in, in all likelihood, maybe those things don't matter to that person anymore. When my brother and I were younger, we had these stuffed dragons. Neo pets from McDonald's. Uh, I had the red one, he had the purple one. And I I called the name Spyro. We used to have the game for the GameCube, and he was a little upset, was like, but mine's purple-like, but I called it. I don't remember what he named his, but mine was Spyro. Red and owl. Because my favorite color at the time was red, it was purple. Well, we were going to move out of our apartment. I don't remember how old we were, but... We were out front and I got my backpack stuck in a tree. Well, to try to get it out, my brother had a little baggie of keys, coins, and his dragon. I think he called it purpley. Cute. I decided to try to chuck it at the backpack, but I threw it so hard and missed that it went into the tree. And was just gone forever. To this day, I don't know what happened to it, and to this day, I can't find it. I've thought about going online some days and ordering a new one for my brother, but I don't think uh, it'll make me feel better. I don't think I've forgiven myself for that uh, all the way, but I look at it and go, he's forgiven me. I've talked to him about it. You know, it doesn't bother him at all. We were so young, about seven years old, now I'm 20, he's 19. 12 years can kind of make you forget about things and forgive, and it doesn't seem to bother him at all anymore. Well knowing that something mattered so much to him because of how much something mattered to me, knowing how much mine meant to me made me really feel bad for losing his, but when he first lost it he didn't cry, he wasn't upset, he was so calm. I think that's what gets to me the most, is that didn't bother him so much, but I thought it did. I punished myself for so long because of this dragon that I lost. Because mine matters to me. If I found it today, I'd never let it go. I'm a very sentimental person, but he, he just let it go. And knowing that he let it go, that my brother doesn't love me less despite it. Knowing that my brother wouldn't trade me for that dragon. Knowing that my brother doesn't look at that day and think, I hate my brother now made me really understand that I didn't hurt him. I hurt myself by holding on to it. But it didn't hurt him as much as I thought it ever did. And while it did hurt him for a bit, and he was hurt, and it was something I did that upset him, that hurt him, that I should have done better, I can let go of that. I can be okay with it being gone. and know that, yes, it was my fault, but it's gone. I can't undo it. I can't fix it. I can get him a new one, but... He's done with it. So shouldn't I be? He's done letting it bother him. So it shouldn't bother me anymore. He's let go of that. And I shouldn't hate myself for it anymore. You shouldn't hate yourself anymore. Because I'm sure is forgiven or forgivable in time big or small forgiveness is something that we deserve and something we should give yeah, you really need to start forgiving others before you understand how forgiveness is supposed to feel you realize that you forgive for a lot of things and that the things you can you've done are probably forgivable as well maybe you can let go of some of them I know I'm going to rest a little better tonight, knowing I've let go of some more of what I was holding on to. So, if you made it this far, if you've made it this far through the podcast, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe, follow, and share with your friends. But um, otherwise, I think it's about time I go to sleep. Good night.